Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. There's something about sports that brings people together. That's it. It's over. The Raptors win. And you win from that joy things turning very suddenly. Sheriff's deputy stopped him. Pushed not just once, but twice. What happened? It's not something I, I like to remember. It took away a moment. The youth, they want to do more and more, and they need a path. We have to create it. I'm a dreamer! I'm a dreamer! I'm a dreamer! I'm a Speak loud and let people hear you and be proud of who you are. And I ask, why did God choose me? And you know what the answer is? No, tell me. Hello, everyone. I'm Aisha Sasei, and welcome back to The Accidental Activist, the show where we discover the sparks that ignite people's passion to change the world. Now, I want you to find a comfortable spot, settle down, and relax, because it's story time. I guess right about now, I should clarify that I'm not about to read you a bedtime story. Sorry, perhaps another day. Instead, I'm asking you to get comfy because on this week's show, we're exploring the stories we tell ourselves and the importance of self-belief. Particularly when it comes to tackling and overcoming the seemingly insurmountable. And as activism is more often than not one long and difficult road, learning how to master one's internal dialogue is key. In this regard, there's perhaps no better group to learn from than professional athletes. Their mental game is every bit as important as their physical efforts. Let me be the first to point out that I'm about as far away from being an athlete as is humanly possible. But luckily, I happen to know someone who lives for the blood, sweat, and tears of the game. Joining me on today's show is my dear friend, Masai Ujiri. Masai is a vice chairman and president of the Toronto Raptors, who you may remember claimed the NBA championship back in 2019. He's also the co-founder of Giants of Africa, a not-for-profit organization using basketball to educate and enrich the lives of African boys and girls. This conversation with Masai, like every other one we've ever had, left me recharged. But more importantly, it was also a reminder that every one of us has a responsibility to move from being a bystander to a game changer. I hope you enjoy the show. Masai Ujiri, thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you for having me. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Very good. So for me, Masai, when I think about what you do and the space that you occupy, the game of basketball, the, the game of winning in sport, of managing a team, of operating at the highest level is very much one of 
not just obviously the physical prowess, but mental toughness and discipline. And I know you for that. I know how much that is a part of your being. But one thing I've always wondered about is having to be so tough and mentally resilient all the time. How much space does that leave for vulnerability in your life? Oh, you say I knew you'd come with the tough ones right from <laughs> right from the jump. You didn't even say how are you or what, what, what's going nah. on. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, sports and life is about winning, and you win on the court, you win off the court, and as you do it, you bring people along. You know, like you keep bringing people along, and. It's, it's so competitive. That's why we play sports, right? That's why we do it. Um, yes, it does put you in a, in a tough place to be who you are, you know, and, and um, sometimes you come off as um, somebody different, um, which bothers me. The leading is not easy, you know, like because it's, 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 it's discipline. Um, by the way, um, it's fierce. On the top, people people look at us, even with the color of our skin and where we come from. You know, you have to perform. Aisha, we have to perform. We have to be good. Yeah, we have to win. Yeah, that's why we're put there. But how do you switch off from that to allow the softer, I guess, quote unquote, I don't want to use more human, but the different side of Maasai to come out? How do you balance that equation? between mental toughness and vulnerability, which in of itself is also a strength? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it comes down to family. Going home, you know, like means so much to me, you know, like honestly, you know, like when you go home, you get into a space where, um, you know, you feel good, you feel comfortable, you feel wanted, you feel loved. I come down to the basics of that. I, I don't golf. I don't do happy hour. I don't, you know, like, and, and those are all fun things, you know, like I understand. But home to me is, is just a huge, huge part of, you know, like who I am. Honestly, you know, like I am blessed, Aisha, to be doing, to be doing basketball, you know, to be working basketball. How many people like actually working, you know, like what, it's almost a hobby, right? And not many. And not many with your origin story. Yeah. It's remarkable. I am lucky. I am blessed, you know, like, and, and I thank everyone that has been part of this journey that helped me, you, you know, and even when I switch off and, and, and I'm so fierce and I'm in this, you know, I, I know that one day everybody will understand that I represent such a huge, huge number of people. And if I don't succeed and use this opportunity, when is the next one coming for another person? You know, and yeah. it's, it's hard to switch off from that. And, and, and that's a really good point. I mean, that adds a different layer that requires a different type of mental toughness in addition to everything we referenced at the start of this conversation. Do you remember the moment you first fell in love with basketball? I mean, I remember the moment I first fell in love with an audience, mm-hmm. right? I was, I think I was like nine or 10. It was the first public event I'd done. I was on stage in Sierra Leone. It was a play, not a very good play. I wasn't even particularly well rehearsed, but I remember 
the feedback I got from the from the audience when they laughed at something I did. And I remember thinking, oh, this is something special. That was the moment I fell in love with performance, with public speaking, with being in the spotlight. When did you fall in love with basketball? Do you remember the moment? I do. I do. And um, walk, walking um, from my home and we're going to play soccer and we lived opposite the university campus of Amadou Bello University in, uh, in Zaria, in northern Nigeria. And we used to, me and three or four of my friends would walk um, all the way to our primary school to go play in the fields. And while we were walking, uh, every time we passed the basketball court, the main basketball court in the university, we would use our soccer balls to shoot, you know, like, and, and we'll shoot and mess around. And then, oh, we have to go, you know, like, and we'll go and play, play soccer. Uh, and then on our way back, all the older players are playing basketball, you know, like, and we would just stare and watch, you know, like, you see all these dynamic, tall players from the university playing and we're like, wow. And then the next time down is the same thing, shoot, shoot, shoot. And guess what? The shooting started become longer and longer and longer and longer. So, and the soccer started becoming less and less and less. We're born, as soon as we come out of our, our mothers, we start playing soccer in Africa. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just the, that's the life. And so, all of a sudden, um, I heard the voice of um, Oliver Johnson, Coach OBJ, who became an influence, incredible influence in my life. and. I heard him coaching and he was coaching youth. He was coaching the university team. And all of a sudden, me and my friends decided that we wanted to turn that soccer ball into a basketball, you know, like mm. and shoot with it. And I fell in love with an unbelievable sport. Okay. A sport that changed my life forever, forever. It, it, it became part of me. Everybody says when they have made it to a level of success that, you know, they set the ambitions high and they, they believe that they could make it. But when you reflect on the, the, the journey to this point, now you're the, pres- you're the president of the Toronto Raptors and you won the, the championship a, f- a few years ago um, in 2019. Um, when you were starting off in the game, did you set the sights that high? Did you believe you could reach them? I, I, I knew my limitations as a player, but we all dream to be NBA players. I knew I wasn't an NBA player. I dreamt to be a college player. Um, in the end, I ended up being a low-level college player. You know, like, so the dream to come to America was real. You know, like, I, 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 I felt it that maybe it could happen, you know, like for me. You need a little luck, you know, like, and my luck was not even my talent. Honestly, my luck was my British passport, you know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I praise my mom and dad for, <laughs> for... I hope you thank her every day. Every day for giving birth to, to, to me, you know. And I tell my wife now that my kids, they don't need any money. They don't need anything. <laughs> they are American and Canadian and Nigerian. That's, that's all they need. That's all they need. To, to be successful in life. Just carry those three passports around. So anyway, I know this, this came from opportunities that people have given me, honestly, like Aisha, I never 
I never saw it, you know, um, the, the only thing I knew that I knew in, inside me was if I was good to the game, I felt the game would be good to me. It's a beautiful game. You fight, there are so, such many bad times, tough times, adversity. I went to Europe. I wasn't that good of a player, you know, um, as a pro. Um, but um, you keep going, you know, like you keep you keep fighting and um, try to find a way. And the game found a way for me. Hmm. The resilience, the fighting, the pushing. How much of that is nature versus nurture for you? You know, my my mom, my mom is fierce. You know, like and and I I love that about her. You know, the African moms. Oh yes. <laughs> and then there's no joke, no play. You know, like it's it's real. But the encouragement too was real. You know, like mm. and then my dad was um, an incredible person. Be honest be trustworthy, you know, like do good by people, treat people well, treat women well, treat women like you see your mom, you see your mother, you know, like that's how you treat women. You And you keep, you take those things, right? The values of what we learned, you know, like growing up. And then uh, honestly, Aisha, you have to come into the real world and start to navigate it. And you really have to know how you regulate it, right? You know, like, yeah, where's your force? Where are you a little bit standoffish? Where do you, you know, back down? Where do you push and push and push? Where do you say, you know what? Yeah, why, why don't I have a chance? You know, where and all these things like play and uh, there is a skill to it, you know, like to be honest, you know, like and I say that skill is not me. I say that skill is upbringing. Talk to me about all that it took off the court as you bring to bear your background and the ability to, to, to knit different groups together because you can move in different spaces. Talk to me about what all of that, how all of that came together to bring your team to the championship win in 2019. After you've evaluated the talent yeah, on the court, now you have to evaluate the talent off the court, which is so, so true to what you are asking. Mm. mentality right you know um uh, toughness attitude all those things um when you start to put that puzzle together the kind of players it's such a journey it's incredible that as you go you kind of figure out some of it that's working some of it that's not going to work well this is not going to work and because of how our business is situated you know like you have contracts and and that are long term and um, we have to trade it, it was very tough for me to trade DeMar DeRozan it, 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 it really you know it broke my heart in many ways um, and, but uh, in some ways you also knew that this was the right direction for um, the the organization so many things you have to do are not going to um, be received well in a business that is very criticized, is very public, you know, like I am. Uh, but when you start to put those things together, you as a leader, you use the smart people that um, I feel we all have to hire the smartest Absolutely. people. So you make those incredible decisions, you know, like and you live and die by them um, when you when you make them. And 
And slowly you start to build. And as we started to go, I started to read the league a little bit. You study it as much as you can. What does it take to win in this league? And it's, it's, it's all kinds of studies, whether you are looking at data analytics, whether you are looking at personalities, whether you are looking at history, whether you are looking at experience, all those things, uh, honestly, I shall come into play. And then, and then we all forget this one, luck. We all need that lady luck somewhere. And then there is something you feel when it's actually happening, you know, like that these pieces are coming together and you start seeing and there's an element of believing that just starts to happen. And it's incredible to see. You could say that the biggest accident of all turned Masai into an activist, the lottery of life. It gave him his fiercely determined parents and he learned their values while growing up in northern Nigeria. These elements sowed the seeds for the mental toughness he needed when he was an aspiring professional athlete and which he still relies on today as a basketball executive. But I also want to underscore something else that is fundamental to the shaping of his internal story and his desire to serve. His recognition of the privilege he gained from being born in the West. In the case of his three children who carry multiple passports, he believes that's all they need to be successful in life. Like Masai, I was born in London to hardworking, educated parents. And I often think about what that has meant for the way my life has unfolded, as well as the privilege that turn of fate has granted me. That awareness has undoubtedly informed my commitment to becoming an activist. Now, equally important to my story are the formative years I spent in Sierra Leone, one of the poorest countries on earth. Growing up in West Africa is every bit as integral to fueling my desire to make a difference. In the story that I tell myself, my life experiences come with an undeniable responsibility to step up and use my energies to give back. As we go to break, I hope you'll take a moment to think about not only where you find yourself in life right now, but also the twists and turns that got you here. And I'll leave you with a question to consider. What are the past experiences in your life that you should be using to fuel your efforts as a change maker? The Accidental Activist is exclusively sponsored by our friends at Mercedes-Benz. At its core, this series is about unexpected discoveries, the surprising elements that propel oneself to become an agent of change. And for Mercedes-Benz, well, their story is rooted in championing the unexpected. Take, for instance, the legendary female race car driver, Evie Rosquist. In the 1950s, while women were supposed to stay in their lanes, she became one of Europe's best drivers, period, and eventually drove for the Mercedes-Benz team. When no one expected her to finish the 1962 Argentine Grand Prix, one of the world's most grueling races, she got behind the wheel and blew away the competition and the critics. She finished an astonishing three hours before the second place car, shattering gender stereotypes and setting a new race record 
no man thought possible. Evie's passion for racing proved to be her greatest weapon in her fight for gender equality. Today, Mercedes-Benz continues to champion women's empowerment and celebrate those like Evie who are driving forces of change. Welcome back to The Accidental Activist and the second half of my conversation with Toronto Raptors president Masai Ujiri. You're about to discover how his mental toughness became a lifeline when he was accused of assault and battery by a California sheriff's deputy. A bit of background here. The allegations stem from a scuffle which broke out between the two men as Masai was trying to join his team just moments after their 2019 NBA victory over the Golden State Warriors. As he made his way onto the court, he was stopped by the officer and within seconds, the situation escalated. Masai in turn filed his own countersuit. In February of last year, both lawsuits were dropped. The entire episode drove home to Masai the urgent need for empowering black boys and girls. And the work Masai is doing with his organization, Giants of Africa, is rooted in changing how young Africans view themselves and what they tell themselves that they're capable of. I challenge you not to be moved when you hear the words, I am a giant, I am a leader. You did all the work and you won. Talk to me about the moment that the win came before we go to the aftermath of what happened, which you alluded to, of this the shadow that came upon the win. But talk to me about the moment when all of it, like your whole life's journey and everything you know and everything you are and all the decisions you've made that you've lived and died by resulted in the win. Well, when we went up 3-1, you know, like we flew back to Toronto and we could have won it in Toronto, you know, like, and we lose that game. And that's when I knew how difficult this thing is. After we've won two in Golden State and now we go back and man, the prayers, I can't, I have to say this, Aisha, <laughs> I have to say this one. The prayers that came from Africa <laughs> won that championship. <laughs> Oh, I believe it. Oh my goodness. It. In Jesus' name, you win this. In, in Jesus' name, everything will open. The basket will open. Everybody will score. Hi. <laughs> I've never seen, I've never seen prayers come in like this. God bless everybody that sent to me the text <laughs> like that. Oh my God. I loved it. I loved it. At some point, I'm like, okay, who is this two, three, four number? Who is this thing? But amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs> amen. You know, and, you know, and that moment was, it, it was incredible. I was walking, you, you won't believe I left the arena and I was watching it on my phone. They're playing in the arena and watching the finals on my phone. And I, it started coming. Why? Why? It's just the way I want to like, to watch these games. When I'm in my home arena, sometimes I go to my office and I watch it by myself. And when I want to come out, I'll come out, you know, and uh, towards the final seconds, you know, like I went back into the arena and, oh my God. There's a new NBA champion and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. We the North are now we the champions, the Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. When I saw our guys start celebrating and throwing the ball up, 
in my mind, I started looking for where Ramatu was, you know, like yeah. and that Your point, wife. yes, mm-hmm. my wife and and in that at that point, I we embraced and Aisha, you can't even believe it. You cry, you pray, you know, like your heart is beating, you know, like you you've you've won the NBA championship, which everybody has said you can never do. It's just an incredible, incredible moment, you know, like for I, I think for everyone, you know, like that's close close and and involved with what we've done, they, we all won, you know, like in in, in many ways. And um, by the grace of God, we'll win again. Africa won. Africa, That's how we felt. Africa we felt- won, you know, like huge. Canada won huge, you know, like we, I, I felt it, you know, like globally, this was a statement, I think, in, in my opinion, you know, like hum- my humble opinion is Africa won, Canada won, and globally we won. Hmm? You went from that incredible joy, which as you describe, I'm getting goosebumps, by the way, just feeling that rush of joy that you felt in that moment. And you went from that joy to things turning very suddenly. Can you describe for our listeners what happened? Uh, so I spent that moment with my wife and it, after crying, it gave me kind of a sense of calm. Um, you see it on the video, you know, like I start walking slowly and obviously encountered with this um, police officer while I was trying to get on the court and go celebrate with everybody else and uh, my team. There's one thing I want to say, Aisha, think about it, you know, like think about all the rush that's going on. Everybody's screaming, everybody's jumping, everybody's shouting. Now, this is the team that I'm responsible for. I'm trying to get on the court to just go celebrate with something that, by the grace of God, it happens again. But it's so rare, right? And right. you are being stopped and you are being challenged in this kind of way. Yeah, for a reason, I say it's because of the color of my skin. The color skin. of his skin. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's not something I, I like to remember, you know, like because... Um, it took away a moment from me. But when I look at it in perspective, you know, people have lost their lives for cases like this. So I'm, I'm blessed that I'm able to say this, tell this, teach this, learn this, and share this in, in, many, in many ways. You shared the video with me when you got it. I know you remember the conversation we had, and I was so angry. And even now I'm angry when I see that, when I think back to the images of how that moment played out and the way you were shoved multiple times and just everything that came afterwards. What was your internal conversation with yourself around this whole ugly chapter? Aisha, you're in media. You forget that um, when this happens, everybody has has something to say and there's a narrative and a lot of the narrative was I hit a cop, I punched a cop, you know, like, and, and when I started seeing like news being reported that this is what um, I allegedly did, oh my God, you know, like you, you start thinking, you know, like, I, no, I didn't, you know, like, yeah, being wrongly accused or, you know, like you feel that way. And so 
I knew, you know, like I had the support that I needed, you know, like um, whether it was my family, MBA, all these people, it's a, it's a comfort. I didn't even celebrate with the team. We celebrated a little bit and one hour, two hours after we had to, we had to fly back because my five-year-old daughter was graduating. I know. I don't know what class she's in, you know, (laughs) like we had to go. The next morning we landed at, I landed in Toronto from San Francisco at eight in the morning and her graduation was at 10. That's the joy, right? You know, like the joy of her and what we've just done, you know, for me, incredible. But then you have that huge weight. And the longer time goes, you start to doubt yourself and you start to doubt what actually happened. And I'm telling people, haven't you been in these situations, Aisha, you're watching these documentaries and you're screaming at the television, Absolutely. just tell the truth, just say what Absolutely. happened, just say what Absolutely. happened. And the person can't even say, you know, like, and you're like, it just happened. Why can't you just say exactly what happened? This is what happened to me. It started to blur that, did I actually, did I hit the guy? Did he? And it's the most confusing thing in the world. It's the most, I, I, I can't even describe it. Uh, honestly. And and when that video came out and I watched it yeah, for the first time, I cried and I said, you know what? This, this is what happened. You know, like this is what happened. When I sent it to my wife and she saw it and she said, this is what happened? And she started crying herself. And that was everybody's reaction, you know, the perception was so different, you know, like, and I stopped thinking about myself because there was a camera, the video is out. How about those people? Think about it, Aisha, no cameras in the street corners or or wherever they are. They have this encounter with police officers and nothing is ever shown. Yeah, nothing and it's their ever word. comes out. Yeah. One, they might not be wearing cameras. Or two, you never see the footage. People incarcerated, people in prison. I just cannot even imagine it. And, and that hurts. It, it definitely drove home for me the importance of Black people, African people being empowered and having a voice, which is the work you're doing with your organization, Giants of Africa. Because in a way, it would almost seem to me that what you went through with that that sheriff's deputy added a different intensity to the work you do as an activist with Giants of Africa. You have to. At that point, you become a voice. You teach these kids, you know, when we go, we're teaching them the basic fundamentals of basketball. And then in the end, basketball just becomes like this small. I started off trying to find talent. And then you start thinking not all of them end up being NBA players or, or pro players. So what else? What can they do? And that's where you start teaching the opportunities that sports can lead you to, where you can be a sports doctor, a sports uh, journalist, a sports psychologist, a sports lawyer. So many things that these youth can do. Outside of that, You teach them life skills. When you Mm. sit on that court, camaraderie of being together. Were you on time to come to camp? When we ask you your name, what's your name? My name is Masai Ujiri. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. Or I'm from Dakar, Senegal. 
Say it with confidence. Say it with pride. This is who you are. Respect. Are we respecting our elders? Are we respecting our surroundings? Are we respecting women? Yeah, are we respecting our mothers, girlfriends, wives, aunts, girls that are playing with us, our teammates? And I think when we put that forward and we have to teach them, we're starting from here. And then we now reach a level that you are talking about now, where you start to confront all these barriers and all these right. issues that we are, fa- we are facing as Black people. Aisha, as many of us that there are that have voices, just like you are doing now, we have to speak. Yeah, we have to own it. Yeah, we have to own it. That, what happened to me, yeah, it has to be some kind of teaching, learning moment for all the other youth. What is it about sport that allows it to impart that lesson in a deeper way, in a way that is different from other ways of empowering and, and, and changing the way people see themselves? Um, I think even Nelson Mandela said it, you know, like there's something about sports that brings people together in just a special way. It's, 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 it's just remarkable. If they said today, Aisha, that they're playing World Cup in, in Brazil or they're playing World Cup in London or anywhere. What about Freetown? Uh, in Freetown, they're playing World Cup in, <laughs> in, in Freetown. I give you, I, I, I give you guys. How many stadiums do you guys have? have <laughs> if they say they are playing World Cup in Freetown today, I'm telling you, how many of us will gather just to watch? You know, like on our TV, in bars, different places. You know, like just all sport. And if you played the camaraderie, how it brings people together, I will never forget. Never forget going to uh, Mogadishu and going to the Ilman Foundation yeah, yeah, and going to their, their compound. And as soon as we enter, see all these women and, and youth with their hijabs, you know, like waiting to play the game, you know, like, but the fun loving of how they felt about the game, what it brought, the joy that it brought. You just forgot like everything that, was happening anywhere around and all the different places I've traveled, there's something unique about sports that lifts people up, you know, like, and mm. I'm so happy, so happy that I'm a, I'm a part of that. Growing up with soccer or basketball, it puts you in a space where you're loved, man. You know, like you're yeah. loved by your teammate, you're loved by your coach, you're loved by, I know there are different things that happen, but there's something, something like this that happens in sports. And it's, sometimes it's hard to describe, no matter what level you play. I, I've watched many of the videos um, from your camps that you run with young people. And you've done so many from different countries. The children come, uh, that they originate from. And they come and they spend these three-day camps where, as you've mentioned, you teach them the basics of basketball. But more than that, life skills. And there's a chant. I am a giant. I am a leader. I'm a giant. I'm a giant. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. And I've heard you lead it. And 
whenever I watch it, and even now that I'm just saying it out loud, I get goosebumps because your whole heart and soul, every fiber of your being is in the chant and in your belief in those words. I am a giant. I am a leader. Can you talk to us about what that means to you, those words, and why they're important for them to be seeded in those young people in your camps? I, I was like those young kids. I was exactly like them. Aisha, I didn't grow up in the States. I grew up in Zaria. So those youth you see in those camps, that's me. And I'm telling you that those guys, those girls, are 10 times more intelligent than me, 10 times smarter than me. They, this world is so open with technology and ways that they can make themselves better. Um, the African continent with what um, uh, I feel almost like the superpowers that these youth have, you know, like, uh, and this youth all over the world. There is something there, you know, that I feel, man, if me, Masai, my dumbass can get to this place, <laughs> oh my God, like, where can this youth, where can they get to? And you see it, I'm sure you see them change in three days. You see them change just in four days. The little love, direction, um, sport, you know, camaraderie. And everything you see, it just starts to build up and build up. And by the time the camp is ending, we're all so sad it's ending. And every country we've gone to, country to country to country, the youth are the same. They're vibrant. They're smart. They're incredible. They want to do more and more, and they need a path. We have to create it. I see it. I see it. I'm telling you, Aisha, if I can do it, then there's millions of kids that can do it. Like you said, if your dumbass can do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are some of the success stories, the success stories of GOA? You know, People always ask me that, you know, like, and there are so many youth that have gone on, you know, like to do um, so many great things, you know. Um, it's funny, I'm in Tampa here and our security officer for our team um, sends me a picture and he's standing next to this seven foot three man. So guess what, Aisha, the WWE, the wrestling thing is whole, is, is happening here. This person, Tokpe Jordan, was in our camps. No way. No way. Many, many years ago. Okay. All of a sudden, this kid goes and he gets into professional rest <laughs> wrestling. And we're going. Are there out. Africans? Are there Africans in professional wrestling? And that's it's it, it's it's incredible <laughs> where he's there now. My point to you is. Like your foundation and those girls, right? They they are going to become, yeah. Ten years from now, one of them is a president. Ten years from now, one Amen. all these people are going to be placed in incredible places, and we're going to be like, wow, they're going to be bigger than us. They're going to be better. They're going to I do more so. and more and more. That's what I really look forward to because it's coming. It is coming. And it's funny, um, some of my girls from, from my organization, We Can Lead, that's what I say to them when, when they come in. And we would say always, and I would say to them, I want you to be more than me. 
I want you to achieve far more than me. And the first time they come in, you can tell they don't really believe it. Those words don't register. Mm -hmm. But by the time they've done one academic year, they now are literally marching up to me and saying, Auntie, I'm going to be more than you. I'm going to do more than you. And it's, again, back to what you're saying about the four days they spend with you and how little time it takes for you to make that shift in these young people, to shift them and shift their whole sense of being and their whole sense of possibility. And to hear about this, this story of this young man who's now in wrestling blows my mind. But for all the, the success stories and you know, it's work we do because we believe in it, it's also hard work. So what do you say to those people who are in that tough space to tell them, keep going? Yeah, those places are hard. I will say that. And you have to keep going. You have to keep finding. You have to develop these relationships. And they are hard. You know, like I I will say that I'm not denying it. I'm saying, you know, like even when, honestly, like Aisha, I did not have, even when, you know, like I was locked out of stadiums. And it's not too long ago. You are trying in many ways, you know, like to put things together. I remember sitting in the airport and thinking, man, is the, are these bags of shoes going to come for these kids? You know, like, or this person that said he'll give $1,000 for these camps, is he going to give? Is it going to come? Yes, those things are there. Those things are real. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. But I say you keep fighting. You keep going, you know, like, and if one window closes, we have to figure out a way for another. So I'm one of those that you can't like go and hide under the desk and cry, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) that's not the type of person I want to be. I want this youth to be. It's like this moment we're living in. Think about how many people are very discouraged, stuck at home, no opportunity, no jobs, can't even see what tomorrow might come. We just have to keep fighting. Yeah, we have to keep believing in each other. We have to keep helping. This shall pass. I'm not going to pretend that my own self-belief doesn't falter. On more than one occasion, I found myself in a corner with my head in my hands, wondering whether launching a not-for-profit was the right decision to make. But each time, I have made my way out of that fog of uncertainty by turning inwards to listen to my inner voice, which always reminds me that I have a responsibility to keep going and I cannot allow anything to stand in my way. So just as I ask every guest for a specific piece of advice, this week I asked Masai to address the fears and doubts that are just as likely to crop up while considering whether to even become involved in the fight for a cause or when you're already in the fray and stumbling. I'm hoping you can see why I started the conversation where I did about the mental part of everything you do and how it influences everything that follows. Because I think anyone listening can see how you talk to yourself, your self-talk, your self-belief, how all of that can influence your path. There are a lot of people, though, again, who not just maybe are in the the work of being activists and leading charities and organizations and saying, this is really hard. How do I keep going? There are those who don't even know whether they should start because they feel like they're imposters. Like, who am I to get in this game of trying to advocate change? Have you ever, first of all, suffered from imposter syndrome? And what do you say to those people who are now listening and saying, 
I want to, but who am I to 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 get in involved in something like this? Yeah, have there been times when I I haven't believed in myself? Yes, you know, like everybody goes through it in their lives. All I say, all I say is I'm telling you, I'm telling you <laughs> every day, every day, every day I drive home from work. I pinch myself, Aisha, pinch. I swear to you, every day I pinch myself and I ask, why did God choose me? Yeah, why did God choose me? And you know what the answer is? No, tell me. He chose everybody. We have to find it. Yeah, he chose every single one of us has something special that God gave. Every single one. And we all have to find it one way or the other. I see it in everybody, you know, like you see it. There's a reason why we're on this earth. I swear I truly believe that. And there's something special. Some of us live a long time and we never find it, right? But I'm telling you, he gave us something. From those profound, meaningful words to something so entirely shallow, what do you do for fun? What is your guilty pleasure? Honestly, like, um, if I lay on the couch and I'm playing with my kids, or if... Nigerian food is being cooked for me. <laughs> if I'm drinking Gary or I'm eating Moi Moi or... I do not like Moi Moi. You don't like Moi Moi? I don't like Moi Moi. Oh just my. so you know, everybody, Moi Moi is it's beans, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah you, don't not, like, not, you don't like Moi Moi? I'm not moi. down for it. Man, I'm not down for Moi Moi. I'm going home tonight, man. A goosey, if my wife cooks a goosey soup for me or she makes ugali or... Ah, African food. <laughs> Just forget, <laughs> forget, forget it all. Puff Puff. Hi! <laughs> you, you must like Puff Puff though. I do like Puff Puff, which is donuts. Just we're, we're, no, we're don't translating. don't it by saying donuts. You cannot I, do that on this platform. <laughs> Why are you mentioning donuts here? It is Puff Puff. It is, and it's not Puff Puff, it's Puff Puff. Exactly. Don't say Puff Puff. Puff Puff. Masayo Jiri. Thank you for sharing so much of your life with me today and with our listeners and for leaving us with that very clear pronunciation, pof, pof. Thank you. Bless you, Aisha. Good luck. Bless you. Whenever I hear the phrase indomitable will, Masai comes to mind. Find his mental discipline and conviction that he can achieve whatever he puts his mind to truly inspiring. I also believe, just as he does, that each one of us is chosen to serve, regardless of our circumstance and place in life. I want you to remember Messiah's words. He chose every single one of us. We are all special and we all have a purpose. All we have to do is find it one way or the other. As I wrap up this week's show, I have a small ask. Go ahead and look over the course of your life and reflect on what you previously told yourself about how much change you can bring about in this world. And always remember, it doesn't matter whether you're brand new to activism or tried and tested. There's nothing stopping you from reworking your inner dialogue 
and writing a brand new story about what is possible. Thank you so much for listening. Please take time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Follow me at Aisha Sasay on Twitter and on Instagram at I am Aisha Sasay. The Accidental Activist is a Wonder Media Network production in partnership with Arella Productions. Executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and me, Aisha Sasay. Our producers are Brittany Martinez and Taylor Williamson. Until the next time, take care, everyone, and bye for now.